welcome along to Nailtopia, Inside with the Insiders. I'm Rachel. In this podcast, we're going to talk to some of the nail industry's biggest and brightest. But I want to get to know the real them. I want to know their real stories. So come with me as we take a peek behind the curtain. Today, I'm talking to my very good friend, Kerry Wright. Kerry is the South Yorkshire CJP educator. Tell us all about yourself, Kerry. That's everything. <laughs> <laughs> now I know that's not true. Tell us, tell us about how you got into the nail industry then, because people would want to know how your journey in happened. Well, I wanted to do it when, I, when it was an option when you left school. Um, so obviously 16 um, but then when I went and obviously went to the college and looked around it come quite clear that you had to do beauty as well and I was quite a self-conscious you know body self-conscious person and at the age of 16 I really didn't fancy getting my JJ out for somebody <laughs> else to work um, so it really I was quite shy as well back then and I just I don't know, it just didn't feel like it was for me. And I think the kit was 200 pound and my mum and dad had just separated and I just didn't have a heart to ask my dad for the money. So I went back to sixth form instead. So then, you know, life continues. I ended up in a, just a regular full-time job. And then I had my daughter, um, which then I ended up being a single parent with and she was born with a disability. And once she was on the mend, I knew that I had then had to go to look into work mm. and the thought of going back into the type of work I was doing, I just didn't want to do it. Mm. So I started looking into nail courses at this, I think I was roughly about 25, 26. And I enrolled on um, a college course. Um, I think it was two nights a week for a year and that right, because I could just do nails. So I just mm. did that and I regret not doing it sooner but I'm a firm believer things happen for a reason. Yeah, they come along when you're ready for them. Yeah. Yeah. So was nails always your dream then, even when you was at school? Yeah, I always painted my nails and, um, you know, put the little stick-ons that you used to get from boots <laughs> and stuff. They were quite natural looking. I really liked them. I always did nail art on them and did my friends. So it's always something I've always dabbled in I never really I think once my dad had bought me um a gel kit from Argos um so obviously they didn't particularly last well but I think that's probably what made me dabble in it a little bit more and consider it because they don't think they were bad no to say you weren't a professional kit and I've never done it before but yeah I've always been into it and I'm an arty person like mm. I did um I did well in art in school so I think it's just a natural thing for me. I can break things down. It's easy for me to understand. Mm. You're actually, and I'm a hands-on learner. Yeah, yeah. It's you're a I very good artist. It. I mean, some of the nail art you produce is spectacular and you're very creative in, in other aspects of your life. You know, you regularly draw family yeah. members and and then you do your macrame <laughs> and the, the acrylic on the glasses. There's always something coming out of, uh, out of the uh, right household artistic-wise, isn't there? yeah I can't just sit still anymore it, I always have to be doing something and I'm always researching and googling like things that I can do but I really really love the macrame stuff and the dream catchers yeah it's just therapeutic yeah 
and we'll talk about uh, therapeutic uh, endeavours. Um, as some people may know, as you comically call yourself, the zombie tech. Um, Very affectionate. Um, For those of us out there that don't know, could you explain to us how that nickname came about? So in 2017, I believe, I had a cardiac arrest and I was officially dead for 30 minutes. I actually meant to write the statistics down for that. So I think it's 9% of people survive a cardiac arrest and then the main reason for them surviving a cardiac arrest is by having someone perform CPR immediately and I was lucky enough that I had my husband I shouldn't have he was due to have an appointment that day and it got cancelled so if he had that appointment I wouldn't be here Mm. now so so yeah that's how my nickname came about (laughs) and it's caused quite a few lasting um, problems for you hasn't it I mean you've come and taught at uh, Utopia with me and you always preempt a class having to explain that things might not flow as easily and your speech and you might get your words mixed up are you very aware now of those differences than before education to people and it's got to be accurate and everything but I think by informing people prior and they don't think they've heard it right they've probably heard it right and then obviously it just gives me you know reasons to adapt on that but it makes me very self-conscious of it um the people around me are great they're aware of it and they'll just automatically correct me but obviously somebody who doesn't know me doesn't know that so I think it's it's my duty of care really to just explain to people that my my speech sometimes stutters I can get my words mixed up but luckily nails for me is like riding a bike muscle memory so yeah it's never really left me and because again I'm a hands-on learner it just absorbs better than you know like written words Mm. or verbal information Mm. so I'm very lucky that it hasn't affected me on that side Mm. it affects me more when I'm tired so obviously when I'm teaching I know that I have to obviously go to bed early and try and get a good night's sleep and stuff and it doesn't affect as much Mm. but as the day goes on I do see how it gets worse. And obviously you said you've got uh, you had a little girl back then you've got uh, quite a few now (laughs) you're an extended nuclear family. (laughs) Um, Do you find that being in this particular industry has helped in being a parent it's giving you the freedom to be there for you said your daughter had been ill when she was younger but she still has a few problems now and do you find that the nail industry is giving you the opportunity to that you feel like it's giving you the opportunity to be there more for her and for the rest of your family um yes and no so obviously with Lacey being deaf she has to obviously have a lot of um hospital appointments so obviously the flexibility of it works but at the same time, you're at risk of upsetting clients by obviously having to juggle them about because the appointments can come out last minute. And then obviously, because of what happened with my um, cardiac arrest, the children also have to um, be monitored now because they can't find a cause for my cardiac arrest. So they monitor them to ensure that they don't, you know, see if they can pick an arrhythmias or anything up. So, yeah, it's flexible and I get to go to the school concerts and stuff like that, which is obviously better by being 
a nail technician to go around it but obviously the hospital appointments by law anyway I think any employee has to give you the time off for your mm. children's appointments so but for the sports day and the Christmas concerts and stuff yeah it's 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 fab that I don't <clears throat> don't miss out on that and I can pick when I want time off if I want the weekends off or I, I tend to just have the school holidays off. It's just easier because mm. Jacob's still only five. So it's just not easy to walk, work around, particularly like we said, with my, my mental state now, I can't focus on him and nails. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, as I introduced you at the start, you're the South Yorkshire CJP educator. Let's talk about how that happened. Because I know like myself, you were an early adopter of CJP. Do you want to tell us how all that came about? I was well known enough or within the right circles for that um, but I think I tried CJP 2016 I was just coming off my maternity leave and I, I was seeing obviously it being advertised and I think it was later that year um, Gemma actually approached me and asked if I wanted to be an educator and uh, I remember it clear as day, we're like 11 o'clock at night because that's when she's always on social yeah. media. And I <laughs> ran up, Neil's been gone to bed and I ran upstairs and jumped up and down bed going, guess what, guess what, guess what? I'm like, what do I say? What do I say? Like, even now looking at back at the nails from then, I'm like, what was she thinking? <laughs> <laughs> We've always, obviously, as we know in the industry, you're always improving and getting better. And But yeah, I'm like, wow, they, they, they weren't great. But I suppose at that time, maybe that was the standards that everyone we're at the nail game's just getting higher and higher yeah the advent of social media and the pros and cons of social media um with how other techs are now supporting each other and how during this pandemic uh, it's managed to get our voice out there how do you feel social media impacts on you as a self-employed tech and as an educator i just <sighs> It, it's great because it gets obviously you out there but there's just so many to compete with it's like when having a business before you rely on um word of mouth and all that and that is always been <clears throat> my main you know way of getting clients I've mm. never ever really advertised but there's definitely a lot of competition and it's just um see my brain going now um it's great because like you say everybody is coming together and it's it's such a nice community because I think at one point it got quite a nasty community and mm. I actually don't go in a lot of groups because everybody has their favorite brand and everything and everybody has their opinions on it and for me you give your opinion <clears throat> on why you look like it and then move on and not get into all the drama of it Mm. um only recently I've started going back into the groups obviously you know part of my job but it is really nice to see how everybody's coming together mm. and I think I'm hoping the standards of the industry are going to get raised and it's not just anybody can do it and the idea you know, get... of the idea that's coming through now is this idea of, of the industry being regulated do you think that's important I think it's really important because it is really infuriating when well I've just actually answered a question on on somewhere and the the just do it on themselves and she's mm. like you know can I still buy the product but even if you're doing it yourself it sh you should still be qualified there's so much more to nails 
my husband always says to me, he thought I was going back to college to do stick on nails. <laughs> he didn't realize how much we're involved and then yeah. the contraindications and everything like that. And not all courses do it. I was very lucky. Like the, the course I did were very, very old fashioned mm. and not up to date with, you know, apex and application and stuff. But I will be forever grateful for all the contraindications, the health and safety, the anatomy and physiology me yeah all of that I can't you know that is my godsend and I see so many people commenting and they don't even know what onychonychosis or something looks like Mm. and that's a simple thing that's quite often you see yeah and it's scary knowing that they're either diagnosing the treating it putting products on it and they don't know so it definitely needs to be regulated mm. 100% and so just like the products as well definitely I mean we we as an industry battle against um the uh, MMA versus MME controversy and the fact that most other countries have got to, uh, it banned um and and we haven't banned it that our government are allowing uh these products to be used in open market it's quite scary and quite a lot of the brands out there are now battling against this trying to get it out there that we're a professional only brand and I think this is only good for our industry this can only be good for our industry the idea that where you like like you said you started your dad bought you a gel kit that your career wouldn't maybe possibly wouldn't have happened if you hadn't have had that gel kit and found your little passion for it but on the other hand we as professionals were like, why are people buying gel kits from Argos? Oh my God, you damage. We have customers, especially during this these, these lockdown times, ringing us and texting us and messaging us. And they're all, if I buy a little kit, how do I put it on? How do I take it off? And we're like screaming in our heads. Oh my God, don't do that. You're going to cause damage. I'm, I am, but I'm with you. We definitely need to be regulated. We definitely need products because we get this all the time, don't we? When you're talking to somebody that isn't aware of it, you tell them what you do. And they make the joke, oh, you're only a nail tech. And then they say, oh, no, I wouldn't have acrylic nails. It damages your nails. No, it doesn't damage your nails. You get that raging moment. And I think if we were if we were regulated, I think the world would see us differently, would see us the same way they see hairdressers and the same way they see aestheticians uh, and the likes. That actually, we're not just a load of people that have sat in this living room, we're a load of nail polishers painting as nails and suddenly are charging 28 quid for it but that we're actually professionals, highly trained. We know about anatomy and physiology and we're not hobbyists anymore, a hobby job rather than a career. Do you feel that people are starting to see the beauty industry and the nail industry in a lot more of a professional way? I'm not quite sure. I think because I'm a home tech, I've worked from home, particularly when because I've worked in my kitchen, I've worked in my living room. I think when I worked like that, yeah, I was hobbyist and you know, you you don't feel like you can charge your worth and stuff like that. And obviously now I have the cabin in the garden. It's a bit more of a salon base. And I do have my clients that'll tell me that, you know, I should charge more, but then you put your price up and you lose clients and mm. stuff. My some of my clients do respect me and they understand that it is a business. And because it is hard being a nail tech not to become your client's friends. But during the lockdown, I don't feel like I have the support from, you know, the 
non-nail community because they do see it as a hobby and they'll and they'll just presume you get the grants and everything else mm. and the cease and for me the years that that fell I had my cardiac arrest I had my a year off having my son and my dad died so I barely earned that year so I'm hoping from all this the government will start seeing us and I know there's a lot going off behind the scenes to try and get the government to realize we're not just a leisure for mm. people it is a career I understand that it is like obviously it's not an essential for people in their everyday spending but it kind of has become like that because the way social media and everything's changed everybody's expected to look a certain way have the nails done mm. so we are becoming essential so I hope that we are seen in a better light because I do get it myself and yeah. I find when I introduce myself or people people say what do you do I'll go oh, I'm a nail technician and I'm an educator yeah because I want to get in that I'm not just a, a nail tech because yeah. that's the stigma that we've been given it's a lot. I've heard this a lot you know when I've been talking to people over the last couple of weeks this this idea that people when you introduce yourself that a lot of people have had the return phrase back to them was being, oh, you're just a nail tech. And I joked with Helen Crane, it's along the same lines offensively as when someone says, oh, you're just a mom. <laughs> People don't realise yeah. when, when, when the level of expertise and, and knowledge that we have to have as an industry, that we're not just, in inverted commas, a nail tech, where is... And when somebody sits and watches you work, quite often I get, oh, crikey, there's a lot more to it than I thought yeah and I I think for me as well is I think it's our responsibility as a nail technician with our clients to educate as clients especially when I get new clients a lot of the time they do come from the non-standard salons mm. so I'm straight in there explaining what they've had done the nails you know how bad they are mm. it took me over well over a year to try and get um, a client she had really severe um, nail separation mm. and it's took me a long time so that she's clear of it mm. but the I remember the first time she sat down with me I said I can't put anything on that I said you need to remove it and she refused to have them removed and threatened to go back mm. so then you have no choice but to educate and mm. she, she has learned and she'll she won't go back now and when I, obviously a lot of my clients as well are interested in being trained as a nail technician mm. um obviously they know I'm going to be doing the beginners courses soon so they all want to come on that and I'm like there's a lot more than you than you think I remember when I come back with my manual from college and I put it down on the table and I could have cried and said to me husband I can't do this I'm not smart enough because I didn't realize I probably walked in with that yeah idea of you're just applying product yeah I didn't realize all the science behind it and mm. like even learning what the chemicals are the chemical names how they react why they react like obviously if the clients put the nail in a lamp or they're getting a heat spike mm. from the acrylic or gel it's our job to educate the clients so obviously this is Inside with the Insiders and I wanted to try and get a little bit more personal with everybody and we've obviously spoke about some some difficult subjects but you you spoke back then about that that year before the pandemic that the tax year would fall that you didn't earn very much that 
you'd had your coronary episode, you were on maternity leave and, and sadly you lost your father. You've spoke to me openly and if, if you're happy to continue talking about it, how it's affected your mood and um, having had counselling, I don't know whether PTSD or, or what, whatever, are you happy to talk about how it's yeah. affected you emotionally and, and how you're coping? Yeah, because I think a lot of people, <clears throat> obviously, people, like we always said, people will see what they want you to see on social mm -hmm. media. And obviously, as a professional, it's not my job to post all my emotions yeah. on Facebook. Um, and they don't see the underside. And again, that's the frustrating thing when you mm -hmm. see people getting angry and upset that they're not achieving or progressing like they are. They don't realise what blood, sweat and tears it takes. And the personal stuff you go through because I yeah. obviously a lot use that as an excuse mm. and I'm not I'm not saying you know I did this and everybody can do it everybody deals differently and after my dad died he he's my he was my best friend he he's the one that would calm me down and talk me through things he's the only person I'd listened to mm. and he he had um cancer and it, it was hard it turned him into a nasty person yeah. and you know obviously there was other personal issues going on within the family that I was trying to keep together um, and it took a massive toll and not on top of that obviously you have your clients spilling their problems mm -hmm. on you and I think it was um, just before well I was asking for help I went to my doctors because I suffered with um, PTSD. It come to clarity that I had anxiety. Um, and then on, on top of that, my husband also suffered with PTSD mm. because obviously he witnessed me die and had to bring me back. Mm. And he, he um, was suicidal. Mm. So I had that to deal with. And then whilst my dad was obviously terminal with cancer. Mm. And then when because obviously you got the all clear first and then it came back twice as bad twice as hard and all that and yeah. it was at the base of his tongue so obviously during near the end he couldn't particularly speak anymore mm. well you couldn't really understand him so that was hard on us all mm. but yeah after he died and picking up other family members well his you know like his wife and whatever it came too much and I think it was March last year I could have probably ended my own life I I rang the doctors because I used to be a self-harmer when I was a teenager mm. and it were never it were never obviously to to kill myself but it, it was a release and I could feel that and I've never done it since mm. and I could feel that urge to do it again and that's when I rang the doctors for help but mm. it's so hard getting the help I remember walking out of my cabin one night finishing work and I could have just fell to my knees I just had enough yeah um so you as well as you know dealing with your own stuff you have your clients problems on top of that yeah. because you are the therapist yeah in a way and that was my argument when people say when they were all going off in the government you know the hospitality the leisure we're not we're people's therapists we're not fair yeah. enough don't have a med medical license in it or whatever but we are we help people on a daily yeah. basis and it just got too much and event I just kept getting turned down for, for therapy 
And it was only when I went to my GP, he actually started putting the referrals in for me because you have to do your referrals yourself now. Oh, right. And he started doing them for me and said that I weren't stable enough and I need it. But um, because of my heart as well, because they don't know what's wrong with it, they they wouldn't give me any medication Mm. because I suffer from night terrors. Again, when you think when you try and tell people what it's like, it's the most scariest thing in the world. Mm. And whenever my night terror is like a night terror within a night terror, I'm conscious of it. Mm. So it's even more scarier. So obviously the lack of sleep, you know, gets to me and and stuff like that. And but they won't medicate me for anything. They eventually got me on IAP um, services, but they mm. only deal with one thing. Yeah. So for me, I had PTSD, I had anxiety, I had the panic attack, I was suffering severe grief. Mm. Um, I just, I was so ready to just drop everything and leave my family and leave my job. I just, I just didn't want to deal with it. The, the, the IAPT eventually helped, but unfortunately I didn't get along with the therapist. Mm. So I actually quit it and I thought, and I did see a massive improvement Mm. um so anybody who's suffering with that obviously try and push for that but it just wasn't for me or the therapist wasn't for me even though I'm quite abrupt and speak my mind I'm conscious of hurting people's feelings so I didn't want to turn around and say to him this isn't working can I have another therapist so I just left which was the worst thing because I hit rock bottom again during this third lockdown and that's when I turned to doing my macramaze and stuff as a way of therapy yeah it just takes my mind off it um really and it you know my family suffer from it Mm. I'm very sure um oh I'm all right one minute and then next minute I'm not Mm. and I'm very conscious of that Mm. I am conscious that you know what happened to me and my dad it affects my daughter she's 12 Mm. and she's deaf so they they take information differently yeah and they express emotions differently and that was another thing he diagnosed me with was an emotional disorder so whereas if somebody comments a little thing I I couldn't take it off the scale Mm. and it'd break me to the point of no return yeah and then obviously I have to wait for my husband to come home and calm me down down. and (laughs) I'm all right again yeah but I'm lucky to have obviously yourself and um, I'm close close with the other educators where you can talk Mm. and that is the key in this industry you need nail tech friends and Mm -hmm. I know it's daunting but I've had um, nail techs approach me and we've become friends through it yeah um that you know they're not to my level and you know I'm glad that they don't see me any different I'm no different to anybody else I'm just a nail tech trying to earn a living yeah and I was just lucky enough that a company saw potential in me to yeah to teach I mean you've talked there about um that sometimes you can be very short I mean we've had many conversations where you've expressed that you're worried that people will take you the wrong way because you you sound quite abrupt and you've worried in the past that you sound like you don't care and that you you feel like you're having to explain yourself before you start a conversation with people for the first time you have to explain that you know it's I'm not unfeeling I'm not uncaring and I've seen the most huge golden heart of probably any of the people I've met in my entire life 
do you feel it's hard having to explain yourself all the time that you know that what they see is not who you are yeah and obviously you know I've had this conversation recently with um another educator who was a close friend and you know she'll say to me don't explain yourself you don't need to explain yourself that's who you are be yourself yeah. but it's really hard in this industry because everybody is watching you don't yeah. know they're watching you but they are watching you and I have had my odd rants and stuff and I've I've learned not to get involved or I do regret the odd thing I may have done so it's really hard being I, will, I don't call it spotlight you know how I feel about yeah. it I don't feel so <laughs> any different to anybody else but my husband reminds me every now and again you know I do have people looking up to me and it's hard it's hard because you want people to know you're a nice person yeah but then I can 100% you know, vouch our... for not just a nice person, <laughs> an amazing person and a really great friend. I'm one of them people. I'm like a lioness. I have, if, if you watch <laughs> you on I have your back yeah. completely 110%. Uh-huh. But if I've been done wrong, I find it very hard to trust. And yeah. that's just to pass problems and stuff. But... Mm-hmm. You know, I don't if, if I don't want untrustworthy people in my life either. No. no. It's I have too much drama as it is. I don't <laughs> need any more negativity. Yeah. And I don't have friends outside of the nail community because of that. Yeah. Like I say, you think your clients see your friends and then pandemic happens and you realise yeah. that not so much, but do you find yeah. it's hard to separate um that client uh, nail tech? from friend because I know when I married my first husband I invited half of my client base to my first wedding (laughs) I only still communicate with just one of them but do you find it's hard when you consider them a friend if that relationship breaks down um I think like particularly with the pandemic Mm. I as the years have gone on Mm. you realize how much of a business it is more than clients Mm. you realize you have to put your prices up you realize that you can't say to that one person oh just give me 20 quid don't worry about your nail art Mm. eventually I think you start realizing that if you want your business to progress you can't treat it that way and if they are truly your friends they'll respect you for that and they'll be willing to pay for it Mm. Um, like I said the pandemic I lost one I haven't lost a client she will be coming back but it was a real shock that that one particular person because we are friends I Mm -hmm. believe we go out you know Mm -hmm. as a as couples but she didn't come back and at first I felt hurt but then I had to realize that it isn't personal Mm -hmm. she's in um she cares for you know vulnerable people Mm -hmm. And you have to you have to mentally segment that off. Yeah. That they can be your friend, but at the same time, your business is first type thing. And I have lost people that I that have come to me for years and we were friends. And God, you know, they've they've took my dog for the day and yeah. and stuff like that. And then they disappeared for two years you have to realize that there's a reason why and it's not yeah. always you and you can't take it personal and you know I qualified in 2013 14 it's took me till now yeah to start getting the grasp of that 
I qualified in uh, 1996 and I'm still making all those mistakes <laughs> and I yeah. keep repeating them and keep repeating them. It's the very definition of, uh, of madness. Just keep repeating, repeating because you think, oh, this client's different or this situation's different. And I find myself feeling really yeah. sorry for people that they come in because, you know, they're treating themselves to the nails uh, but they're, they're somebody you knew from school and they're treating them. They haven't spoke to you since you left school in the 80s. And <laughs> they come and they're like, I'm treating myself because blah, blah, blah. And I find myself like giving them the things that somebody else would pay another five or four. I, I give it them for free and then, then I don't hear from them again for six months. And I take it personally. And then I just got to remember that it isn't personal that they, they came they'd saved up for that one thing you came in and thought oh do you know poor them they don't can't afford it very often I'll treat them and they are probably very grateful for it I think for me the younger nail techs coming in need to know that as well as the know your worth thing because I think they're the things that I've struggled with all the way through my career knowing my worth that my level of expertise isn't a fiver's worth of nails it's what I decide it's my time's worth and how many times do we hear that on the support groups people saying oh I can't charge more in my area how frustrating yeah. is that they need to stop doing the area thing yes look at your local area like I did it I did a price increase beginning at last lockdown and I looked at a couple of local salons and there were one lady doing um you know full whack everything all in you know like mm. I think it was set price to 60 pound and you get everything all the nail art and even I know that I can't charge 60 pound so you can't always compare yourself to stuff like that um some people are willing to pay it some aren't um so you do need to take your area slightly into consideration because where I do live it, you know it's middle to lower class um if you want to class it yeah. um as an example I couldn't care where people's money come from as long as they pay for the nail. But I used to, I always book two hours out no matter what, unless obviously they've con contacted me and said they want really long nails and really extravagant nail art and then I book longer and they have to pay for that. But I tend to book two hours out because I'm all about quantity, uh, quality over quantity. Mm. And I think that is where you start building your reputation up mm. um, because you're not trying to shove them out the door while one's walking through yeah. I can't work like that anyway I like to have, have a breather and start knowing it's a different client because if yeah. not it's like a conveyor belt it's just a blur isn't uh, it it's just one after the other yeah yeah but I've learned over the years that as much as I wanted to do the elaborate designs that took longer sometimes I think I did a set once I think it was an Avengers set oh I bought decals and then she decided she didn't like the decals she wanted them painted mm -hmm. uh, and she was an eight o'clock at night client. So I was there oh. till 10, 11 o'clock. Yeah. I didn't charge oh. because it weren't planned. Yeah. And I didn't, have, I didn't have the courage to turn around and say, well, you do realise. Hand painting is a lot more than decals. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you have to, I've learned, and I have said to my clients, look, you need to contact me prior if you want more. And if it doesn't suit your budget, we'll, sort it out so mm. if they want elaborate designs they know it's like roughly five pounds hand painted um i think it was like the flamingo set i did for you i think yeah. it was <gasps> 10, 
10 pounds on top but that's it do you know what i mean yeah. i think i charge you what i would charge any other client yeah because i still have to earn a living friend or not and obviously yeah. you understand that i wouldn't dare ask you to um to charge less just because we're friends it's because the time and skill of i couldn't possibly paint a hand-painted flamingo so if i want a hand-painted flamingo go to the person that can do it but you pay for and it go live at the same time yeah oh god yeah yeah but scrolling like with my other hand answering questions yeah. on the live <laughs> it's just i think it's different because we understand it we understand the difference like when i have a trace person come to my house i always try and give them even if it's just 10 20 pound more mm. than they asked for because and I know it's not expected because the charge that they definitely charge their worth. I think a call out for a plug is 50 quid. Yeah. I had a plug socket change because it, it was sitting on fire. It cost me 40 quid, really 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but if I had the money, I normally give them a bit more just to show my appreciation. You're not paying for that. This is the thing we say in the industry as well all the time, the younger ones and they say, but it only took, you're not paying for the 10 minutes I was there. You're paying for the X amount of years it has taken me to learn how to do it in 10 minutes. Yeah, I must have spent in the last five years easily, easily £2,000 on training. And that's probably not even including accommodation. Yeah, just the courses themselves. Yeah, because yeah. I did one in um, down south. Mm. And as you know, I don't drive, so my poor husband has to take me. So we decided to make a holiday out of it. You know, we went down for five days and I did five days one-to-one -one training. Yeah. You know, obviously we do the CJP training, you know. Yeah. And then I've done various other courses with other educators. It, it's expensive. And I understand you can't put all your costs onto your clients, but you have to put a percentage on. But people have definitely got to start charging the worth. And not only that, then, if people are charging not the worth, it's hard for us all to start earning more. Yeah, it undervalues the entire industry, doesn't it? If, yeah. if you've got if you've got three nail techs in a in a local postcode area only charging a tenner, and then one that knows it's actually going to cost thirty quid with a decent hourly wage, and she comes in trying to charge thirty, it's undervalued her work. But she's actually priced herself right, or or he's priced themselves right. And the, it's the others that have undervalued the industry. And I think a lot of the time in, in a lot of the groups, it sounds like a lot of techs are being harsh on those that are saying, oh, I'm only charging a tenner. We're not trying to be harsh. We're trying to explain to you that we understand your worth. You need to understand your worth, but you also need to understand the implications that you're putting on the rest of the industry by undervaluing your worth. And I think that's a, a, an important lesson that, if you can learn it early in your career, it's going to stand you in, in an awful good stead than trying to still be learning it 20 odd years later, like myself, that still has moments where it lapses. And I can preach it in all the groups. I can be saying to young, oh, sweetheart, you need to understand your worth. You need to understand the devaluation of our industry by you doing this. And then I go out and give out free nail art and I go out <laughs> and soak off a set for free. Uh, and you know, just because I feel sorry for somebody, and and sometimes <laughs> sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to just give in to your heart. But yeah, as an industry, yeah. yeah. But I used to do that. I never used to charge for a soak off. But mm. then again, I never used to offer it because I hate doing it. I'm like, me you too. Take them off? Oh, me too. You take them off at home. Yeah. But I have started offering it because, from a business point of view, because it is probably a good money earner. Yeah. And I see people not charging for it, and I'm like. Yeah. 
and I get that when I think when I first started and years ago and obviously it was an option I don't think I charged if I were obviously putting nails back on or anything like that and some still swear by that but I'm like we took you 20 minutes to yeah. de- take them off yeah so you need to charge at least at least for the 20 pounds. minutes yeah yeah they don't realize the same with the nail art they, they think well when you break the price down it's probably cost you one two pound in products if that but if it's hand painter that I think that flamingo that I did on you took 45 minutes yeah you need to then sit and work out your hourly wage and then like mm-hmm. I round it up that was yeah. 45 minutes so for me 10 pounds it's an hour yeah 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 gotta gotta know your worth guys gotta know your worth I can't believe how much we've talked about today. As, as a friend, it was very difficult for me to ask you to talk about um, some difficult subjects. And I'm very much worried at the start when when we, because we're, if, if you don't know, guys, we're actually on Zoom. I can see Kerry. Hello, Kerry. <laughs> um, and I, I, as a friend, it was very difficult for me to ask you to open up and about these cry. things. And <laughs> me not cry too, because you know I'm a crier. And I'm, I'm so pleased you opened up today and were the honest self you always are I'd like to say Kerry thank you so much for joining us and we can't wait to see all the amazing things you're going to do in the future guys if you want to check out some of Kerry's work book on some of Kerry's courses you can book on some of her CJP courses through the CJP website uh she has numerous Facebook pages as well as her macrame, yeah? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Kerry Wright Nail Artist and her macrame page. She has an Etsy page, ladies and gentlemen. You can go buy some of her wonderful, I mean, and I'm not joking, wonderful um, dreamcatcher macrames. And thank you for listening to today's episode of Nailtopia Inside with the Insiders. If you have enjoyed it, you can show me your support by heading over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Nailtopia, where you can help keep me in Yorkshire Tea and Savvy Bee, enabling me to keep chatting to nail industry insiders with the stories you just need to hear. You can also check out what else Nailtopia is about on both Facebook and Instagram.